Welcome to Property Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I am joined by Andy Wood. Hello, Matt. Where's and he sitting? He's sitting to my left, mm-hmm. and to my right is Jesse Case. Hello. Oh, back in LA. I've been traveling. It's nice to be back in the sun. How was Toledo? Toledo was Toledo was lovely. Um, the gigs were fine. It was fucking freezing. Yeah. So, hey, people from the Midwest, I don't know how you do it. Uh, thank you for coming out to the show. We met a few Property Science listeners, both there and in San Francisco. So, nice. hey, guys who came up to me and said hi and listen to the show thanks for that nice but jesus fuck cold like it was i hang on i can't remember which way around it was because i was switching between units all weekend but it was minus 17 at one point that must have been celsius nope i think that was Far- fahrenheit i think it was like minus yeah. what? 17 wind chill yeah one. that shit's brutal oh, that is that's like 30 miles from where i grew up so i dealt with that for many years that's wrong yeah oh yeah I, it was so cold i remember there were times when um I think I, I rolled, tried to roll down my window, but it didn't roll down far enough to spit out, and I some of it hit the window, and it froze instantly onto the inside of the window in my car. You know, the last time I was doing a big road trip, one of the problems with that is a lot of times, living in Southern California, if you get like an oil change or something, you say, just fill up all the fluids, coolant, whatever, they, they'll just they'll mix in water with your uh, windshield wiper fluid, because we never have to worry about it here. Oh. But it, it fucking, fr- like I almost died going through the Rockies because it freezes in there. And then when you give it a squirt, it freezes all over your fucking windshield. Right, right. And, and I was seriously like, like guys, fucking fill, use the pure stuff. Use the stuff. The uncut. Use uncut. <laughs> I was I like in a restaurant sometimes when they windsh- dilute the ketchup with vinegar. Don't dilute the ketchup with vinegar. You know, I want pure uncut ketchup. <laughs> and that was the thing, because I, I was spraying cut ketchup all over my... I use ketchup for my windshield. That's one of the mistakes. Oh, yeah. That was the problem. Yeah. That was the, but it attracts more bugs. I like that. I like, I like a lot That's of... That's good. I like a buggy windshield. It's nice to have company when you're driving that, by yourself through the mountains. It'd be kind of a good prank, wouldn't it? Sort of a Carrie-style, uh, really mean prank to fill someone's washer fluid with some red fluid. So they it's just a really think. weird, like a film nerd mafia yeah. <laughs> situation. Yeah. Why were buggies called buggies? I know we have a guest. We do have. <laughs> Why were buggies called buggies? That's not a quiz. I don't buggies, know. Oh, I thought that what was rhetorical. Sense, like a like a coach whip, like a buggy. Oh, okay. You know, you go go out in your buggy. I don't know. Why do they call? Uh, don't use okay. another example as a to deflect. What are they called? Chairs. Chairs. Okay, I'm going to say it's because uh, before are we smoking weed for the first time. As I was, <laughs> Jesse's just looking at his hand yeah. and baffled. Yeah, I'm obsessed what with if, my thumb. What if we all see colors, but what, like what I call orange, you also call orange, but it doesn't look orange to you, but you don't know because why is it? All right, all right. Why isn't that a word? Because we're like beating around the bush. We got that. We got this. We got that. Man. Okay. Um, we have a guest. We do. It's a friend of mine from England who's over. For what, a week? A week and a bit? A week and a bit, and I'm not trying any ketchup. No, uh, American ketchup is why not. Why would you? Why would you? What, what's this vinegar thing? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> so they have first in England. Barry Casanola. My, Hello. My friend Barry Casanola. Hello, lovely to be here. Comedian, sketch performer, actor. Yep. Face. I think that's it covered. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's not skip over the ketchup talk, though, because... Uh, I'm, I'm going to start taking my own. Yeah, well, well, there. So every now and then we go to this place here, Fox and Hounds. Mm-hmm. They have a trivia night, and um, and I like to go reinforce how dumb I am. Uh, so I like to go sit in a room full of people that know things, and we go there, and they have, uh, you know, bangers and mash. 
spotted dick, etc. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have all your staples. All, yep, staples. Uh, <laughs> beans on toast. Yeah. Mushy peas. Sure. Um, I know the drill. You know the drill. <laughs> um, so they have all that. They have all that uh, awful bullshit, you know. And then they have uh, <laughs> no, but you get ketchup. But also, you get malt vinegar if you want to put sure. that on your yeah, chips. Yeah. Yep. You know. Um, but I have noticed that if you get their mustard or everything, everything has the seal, the royal seal on it. Is that all British food? It has to be approved by the queen? The queen has to taste it first. I think it's only certain companies, isn't it? it? This is a real thing. I'm serious. Certain companies get to have, and I've got no idea how this became a thing, have a royal warrant. And I've gotten, I don't even know how you get a royal... It well, basically means like the queen likes this mustard. Like, is yeah, that, like I is know. Well, I know t- thing. Tabasco is the only American food company that's approved by the Queen of England. I mean, I don't believe that she's all for all of the people that she hands out knighthoods to. Sometimes <laughs> they'll just be some random businessman. And, and, uh, and no, think- no, no. I think she genuinely has to approve every single one. <laughs> but, she, but like the same with the companies, it would just be companies that do well. She would put her approval on. She's, okay. not, she's not. She's not going in for a startup, is she? She's not. You know, if you went, oh, I'm starting you know, Barry's sauces and starting with a ketchup, un- That's undiluted what you call ketchup. It? That's what I call it. Yeah, Barry's sauces. Barry's sauces yeah, <laughs> sure. I'd be like like Paul Newman with my face on it. Yeah, and uh, bring up my own line of ketchup. She's not getting involved. She's not jumping on that bandwagon. <laughs> I like the idea of the Queen as like a, an angel venture capitalist, though. Like, yeah, she's like Dragons, to Dragons cult- Den. Yeah, <laughs> incubate new talent, like seek out companies. Royal. That- oh yeah, that Shark Tank here. <laughs> oh, is it? Changed animals. I figured that's what it was. <laughs> Wait, what's it called there? Dragon's Den. Yeah. I thought it was oh, an American we were, we, show. I don't know. No, I think it started in Britain. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, whichever way around it started. Same thing. For, for, exactly um, four business show. people, right. yeah. pitch, pitch your stuff to them. Hey, this is Barry's ketchup, undiluted. <laughs> sure. My face on it. Zero I want vinegar. 100 grand and I'll give you like this case of it. Yeah. It's my, it's my, <laughs> it's my face, but it's my face in the shape of a tomato. Normally, I'd say tomato, but it's I, like the, it's I, like, I know my, I know my audience. It's like the way, like it's the way, like honey comes in a bear-shaped thing for some reason. Yeah, the this animal that like steals a, it. That's an the, yeah, yeah, the animal that steals it just does not produce honey at all. Yeah. Just one of the many animals that steals it. Right. In which case, ketchup should have my mum on it because my mum's <laughs> yeah. got this obsession with with stealing condiments. When That's she what I'm goes, saying. Yeah, we'll have a Barry's mom-shaped ketchup bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Does she do that at, like cafes and stuff? Oh, she uh, butter everything. She'll, she'll get she'll get a whole like, and then a the whole joke, purse full. And then of course purseful. people would have the joke like mm, she's a squirter, you know. That would be like the big the big joke because Aunt Jemima is Aunt Jemima shaped, and I wonder if she stole. I thought you were going to say she you wanted to steal the Does Aunt Jemima squirt? We all steal stir- syrup from trees, don't we? So Aunt Jemima. Was... Aunt Jemima was the most famous abolitionist squirter. Yes. And every, everybody knows that, but, but yeah, I, I'm I'm all for bottles shaped like whatever bullshit is associated. Yeah, with yeah. I'm trying. To, I can't think of other examples besides those two now. Mrs. Butterworth and Jemima wasn't she up against Jemima? Uh, Mrs. Butterworth. Oh, who's, Miss Butterworth. Who's the who's the one? Is it Aunt Jemima? The, the picture is the black lady on the. It's uh, a little racy. It's yeah, a little yeah. racy. <laughs> I, I I told um, years and years ago uh, when I was I was living out here for a while, and I told someone that I worked with that um, uh, that, that my aunt was was black. And now I'm obviously podcast listeners can't hear. That. I'm I'm blonde, very blonde, and we just used to come in with a different story for her every day. Well, they can tell from the voice. And I, told, <laughs> no, I'm and I, I showed her. <laughs> I I got a picture of Aunt Jemima. Just cut it off a box and put it in my wallet. <laughs> showed it to her and said that that was my grandma and she believe it <laughs> nice well our lovely roommate who we told you about the furniture salesman from brooklyn uh, uh i guess so, he doesn't listen no we hope, we hope neither roommate has figured well, out podcast well one of them whenever you record he comes by and says have a nice blog so we think we're okay, okay. We, yeah. <laughs> so yeah there was a there was a cat that lived at the house for a while he was feeling lonely and decided to get a cat 
And uh, so we had, a, we had a cat here for a couple of years. And instead of putting in a cat door, like you do, yeah. what he decided to do was just, just tie some shoestring to a doorknob and then tie that to the, to the door frame to leave his door open a little bit all the time. Um, so because of that, he didn't want people seeing him naked willy-nilly. He didn't want it to be open far enough for the dog to get in is what it was. It was right. opening wide enough for the cat, not wide enough for the dog because of the string. <laughs> Did he right. spend a while like, measuring the animals <laughs> yeah. and then the it's string? Ridiculous. I hope he took it to the whiskers. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and then Andy and I would get shit for watching TV in the living room because he had to leave his door open. It's like, dude, you yeah. got the cat put in a cat door. Yeah. So what he did was he bought one of those wooden partitions to, to fit... Oh my God! You know, status. I forgot yeah, about he, that. He bought one of those wooden partitions oh. to keep in front of the gap, so no one would see his dick. Even though he sleep eats naked, and we've all seen his dick. So he, he bought one of those. But Didn't it was, we say it's surprisingly big. He's a, that guy's hung, dude. <laughs> Stu is hung. I love that you described him as having like a dumb guy's dick. <laughs> dumb people have huge cocks. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. That's not like a weird thing. That's like they're just breeders. Okay. You know what I mean? They're just they're just alpha gorillas. Just, sure. nah, nah, they beat shit with it. Right. He had a yeah. So, um, you know, I, I have an uh, an intellectual's penis. Okay. I, <laughs> you, have, you have fingers clapped in intellectual's penis. I, yeah, it pairs with wine. Right, yeah. I don't have a, I don't have this ridiculous barbecue cock. Yeah. So. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know what it means either. Okay. Just go with me on it. So, so he has this partition, but the partition he has, um, it's it's full of frames. So you put it's pictures. A photograph partition. A like photograph a, partition. Yeah. You'd you'd put your you'd put photos in it. Your five by seven photos loaded up with pictures of your family. Well, he doesn't have anybody, so it's still just the pictures that came with it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And then it's if the you saddest. if you go in his bathroom, there's a photo of just some fucking family, but it just says like Target. It's just the picture that came with the frame, <laughs> and all of his art in his room is just shit that came with the frame. It's it's the it's saddest. brutal. Wow. But that's a good like life hack. You know, you don't need to buy invest money in pictures. If you just get a nice frame, it normally comes with a picture ready. <laughs> And sometimes they're better looking than your family anyway. Yeah. As if, Not yours as particularly. If anyone doesn't know what to do with a fucking frame. Like you know, oh, like it's instructional. I'm like, glad. Yeah, yeah. Thank God for this example. Look like. Oh, I was going to smear peanut butter in this. <laughs> I was going to serve this. I was going to serve candy on this. Thank God I know to put photos. It's like if you bought plates and they came with like plastic food. Right. Yeah. Oh. Oh uh, yeah. Can I, can I just point out that the girl that I uh, that I work with I feel bad like I was picking on someone for telling her that my my grandma was was Aunt Jemima, but she um she, she got me back in the end uh, on a, on an April Fool's Day. I was working at this uh, courier company in Tarzana, and it was really busy in the morning. And I used to deal with new clients, and um, it was April Fool's Day, and I was on my guard. Mm-hmm. And then in the afternoon, she came and handed me a slip of paper. It was the best I've ever been done with a pra- practical joke. She handed me a slip of paper. She was a new customer; they've been calling. You got to call them back now. She keeps calling, so I dialed the number. I've just got a name there. As it answers, it worked so perfectly. It, they answered L.A. Mortuary, and I said. Hello, can I speak to my remains, please? <laughs> and that was her getting me back. It worked so... I fell That's off my seat laughing. It worked amazing. so perfectly. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, I never heard my remains. My remains. Wow. wow. I would just amazing. call call all my exes and tell them I found out I have AIDS. Um, so April Fool's. Uh, <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, we laugh and laugh and cry. I do, I do the same but with cancer. Yeah, yeah. I found out... <laughs> It'd be hilarious if you had you still just called them. <laughs> I've got some terrible news. Uh, they're like, yeah, I'm sorry. I've moved on with my life. I'm sorry. I can't. Um. April Fools are like, all right, okay. So you're not. Okay. I don't know if you've got the number of an oncologist, but yeah. you might want to get yourself checked out. 
Um, so, by the, I looked this up, by the way. Roll warrants are granted to people or companies who've regularly supplied goods or services for a minimum of five consecutive years to the Queen, the Duke of Edinburgh, or the Prince of Wales. Mm. Who's the Duke She's of Edinburgh? She's not eating ketchup. That's the Queen's husband. That's oh, okay. Prince Philip. Yeah. Um, Does it always stay the same? And who the is of Wales from, is Prince Charles. Which part? I don't know. I think it... I, I can't remember. There are certain titles that get added and removed in different times. Yeah, well, because uh, Prince Edward became uh, the Duke of Wessex, which hadn't been used in years. I mean, it's not even a place. Yeah. Not even since Wessex was around. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Wessex isn't anywhere in England anymore. But if, uh, if and when the Queen dies, what happens? Um, she definitely will at some point. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think it's an if. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think, like, those titles, I think they go back into the pool. They go, they go into the discard pile. And then once Is that pile gets full enough, it gets reshuffled, and I think they they just become free to get handed out again. Because then what? Um, Prince William got and what he got given a title when he got married. Cambridge, as well. Duke of yeah, Cambridge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but but you don't become if uh, if you're a man and you marry a princess who's going to become queen, you don't become king. Whereas if you're a woman and you marry a man, a prince who's going to become king, you do become. Queen, if that makes sense. So, so, so if you're the male, so marry Kate in. Middleton's going to be queen. She'll be queen, She'll be queen. But, but Prince but Philip... But there will be a queen who, and a king at that time. Yes, but oh, Prince okay. Philip didn't become king, which, it, right. to my mind, is positive discrimination gone mad. Yeah. <laughs> so, th- wait, wait, they uh, were already Prince together, Charles, though? Yeah, Charles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he give... Did the Camilla thing knock him out of the running? No, no, no. He'll, he'll, to... No, he'll be king oh, next okay, if, okay. Wait, if he doesn't die. And she'll be queen. I thought Elizabeth, when she was Princess Elizabeth... Because it was Elizabeth and, and Margaret, right? Yes. And they were in Africa when their dad died. Right. And, there's, and they had a yes. good I, alibi. Yes, they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good alibi. Good alibi. Where were they when Diana died? <laughs> no, there's a crazy ass photo of um, everyone's like crying, but they're still bowing to her. Like when they got the news because they realized Whoa. she's queen. Because they're, they're just on, you know, it's a British dignitary thing. Like, we're just going to put on pith helmets and go on fucking safari. That's yeah, what yeah. they do all the time, I assume. Um, they have, like, tape on big bushy mustaches. Yeah. Women, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was wearing her mustache, of course, but then she had to switch to the gold mustache yep. when she became queen. <laughs> um, and they go, that's great. Next week, we'll do the Wild West. Right. And then they get the different photo taken. Yeah. So, it's like the ancient holodeck. It's like the Yeah, team. yeah. You have the money to have a real-life holodeck. Yeah. Uh, but, so... She, but she was like 21 or 22 or something. Mm. She was so young. She was already with Philip. Yes. Yeah, she was, she was definitely oh. with Philip before. I yep. thought she was still yeah. uh, infamously banging soldiers. Random <laughs> World War II veterans. I, don't, I mean... In her Mar- banging soldiers days. Margaret, Margaret was, uh, was a, bit of a bit of a one, I think. Wasn't a she one. a coke fiend? Was she Margaret? Maybe. Back then? I think yeah, so. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was the time to do it. I, I guess, think you're yeah, going to be a coke fiend. Probably like over the counter back then, right? It was still yeah. prescribed. Well, for, I think no, it was already illegal. It was definitely but it was, illegal, but who's going to stop? It was like it was, it was like in the days before ketchup was unadulterated. <laughs> right, right. Just unchecked. I hate when my cocaine has vinegar in it. Nothing <laughs> makes me matter. Like it gets all clumpy, sneezy. Yeah, yeah. yeah the back of the throat burn then oh. is really yeah. Drainage gotta, with vinegar is the worst. Down some chips. Okay, so someone is about to take legal. Act- oh no, this is an article from twelve years ago. Is about to sue over a new, claiming a new biography that Princess Margaret took. Oh, her, her son is suing over claiming a book that she took illegal drugs, including coke and marijuana. How does he know? How uh, could he? Yeah, like, she wouldn't yeah. tell him, would she? That's the thing. Yeah. If and- if someone wrote a book about my mom. And they're like, you know, Jane loves being fisted. Like, I can't sue. I just have to be like, well, that's a bummer. I just have to read that. <laughs> or, or fair play her. Well, that's what I'm saying. Making the most of her sex life. Well, that's what I'm saying, but it's the same thing about Margaret. It's like, yeah, her kid's not going to know that. Yeah. What is it you assume, you assume you're, yeah, how do you, you know everything about your parents? 
how do you prove anything in like a slander or libel case? Well, I don't think also you, you can't. Can you slander s- or can you libel someone who's dead? I don't know what you can speak ill of them. You can call and ask to speak to them. Yeah. You can call, <laughs> which, by the way, I, I stand by. And if like that's why I won't hear a word against Hitler. I won't hear a word against Stalin, Genghis Khan. Sure, they're not here to like, defend themselves. Just, just let just them lie. Fair. Let yes. them rest in peace. Yes. So there's um. So in this book by Noel both both of them, it says that it alleges that the the Princess Margaret snorted coke before a Rolling Stones concert in Earl's Court in '67. Apparently, Mick so. Jagger had invited her to the concert and took her backstage, where Keith Richard produced a bottle containing five hundred pounds worth of coke and proceeded to sort, snort it from a silver spoon. A in bottle front of, of coke. Yeah, that's the in stones. In front of the princess, yeah. she is said to have remarked, "Ah, cocaine, such an amusing drug, don't you think?" <laughs> well, well, like, no, it's that thing of and like. It's clear she's familiar with it. Of course, it was like a genie lamp full of coke. It's like the same with the the. You know, we talked about the Enigma machine. How Mick Jagger just has an Enigma machine. And that's like the level of rich. Yeah. Of, of, well, I was, so I was sitting around, I traded a sarcophagus for a hot air balloon, <laughs> and now I had a bit of King Tut's remains, and we was all sitting oh, no. around. I've got, got to crack this code. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a little game we was doing, whereas if we cracked the code that night, we got to play with the sarcophagus. <laughs> After the show, we like to wear the Shroud of Touring, isn't it? <laughs> in it. <laughs> did, you, did you ever see the uh, the, the Altamont uh, film with the Rolling Stones? Yeah. Um, and there's there's a bit, and I don't know if you know. Sometimes you think maybe your memory has misserved you, and you, you you're looking back and thinking, did this happen? But I remember watching it years ago. But there's a bit at the end when it all starts kicking off, and they're all fighting, and uh, and they're playing um, Sympathy for the Devil. Right. First of all, Mick Jagger goes, Oh no, something weird always happens when we play this song. <laughs> right. Right. And, and then they all sort of stop one by one. But Keith Richards just still playing the riff with his eyes closed, right. still just riffing away. And everyone stopped. This big fight's going on. And as I remember it, he's sort of... Because uh, Mick Jagger was going, Cool it, cat. Stop yeah, fighting. Yeah. Cats, come on, cats. <laughs> Can't we just have peace? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're just kicking the shit out of each other. And then Keith Richards sort of opens his eyes. So he looks to run forward to the front of the stage and just points someone out as if they started it. Right. <laughs> he had his eyes closed, just playing his riff yeah, the whole yeah. time. Right. Well, he just knows. <laughs> I mean, that, no, that was the weirdest thing. Because, like, you're literally watching footage of Hell's Angels just stabbing the shit out of a black guy. And Mick Jagger doesn't know what to do, so he just reverts to his chicken dance. Like, he kind of does <laughs> yeah, that for a second. He's, he, like, panics, and then he just starts, like, clucking his head. <laughs> like, this will distract him. <laughs> just when, follow me, cat. W- when in doubt, come on, cats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, cats don't like chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Throw the ketchup. <laughs> so, before we get into stories, we always ask our guests this: um, like, what if anything is your background in science? And there doesn't have to be any kind of answer I'm, at all. Terrible! I've got a terrible background in in science to the point where uh, I was so convinced at school that there's a point at school when when you're about. 14 um, where you take your options um, where you you get to choose there's sort of compulsory subjects maths mm-hmm. english uh, and uh, and then you have you choose a, a set of options of, of subjects you want to take and mine i was so convinced or only wanted to be in the arts that i didn't need to know anything scientific so i i argued and argued and decided i wasn't going to take uh, a science and they were like no it's compulsory you have to take one science do you want physics biology or chemistry no i don't, don't want any of them and it carried on arguing they called my mum up to school and in the end we said we were doing physics and and then one of the other teachers, my like head of year, said on the first day, just go to music, don't go to physics, and they'll never know. Um, so, so that's what I did. Because I, I told him I would disrupt the class if I... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's terrible. I just thought, I don't need to know how things in the world work. 
Describe. I want to be a, an artist, a writer, or an actor, or something. Mm. Well, it's, it is weird. Like I, I remember taking chemistry, and it's all just balancing equations and stuff. And it is one of these things, and I've yet to be proven wrong. It's like I know this is not happening in my life. Yeah, there, there is. I know there's no river without a bend in it. I am not going to have to balance fucking. Uh, chemistry equations this is it if you start judging that's the same thing you could apply that same logic to say we shouldn't do any space exploration because we don't know the exact purpose of every step of the process that we're doing we can't demonstrably show that there's a benefit to every part of the process but the whole thing adds up to being something i I I don't i don't think that's a parallel argument at all yeah, I mean, saying like there are lots of things that specifically that one thing that I learned isn't directly applicable to what I'm doing today. But spending a whole year of my life when I could have been in fucking music class, learning how to like sit there and and you know basically cut ketchup with vinegar <laughs> is. But to understand how things interact with each other chemically makes you a more informed uh, person of the world. And and when we talk about stories that have to do with chemistry, you, you'll have like a basic vocabulary to understand what's bullshit, what isn't to ha- to be to be a critical thinker in general. Well, like, yeah, it's very convenient when I when you know I happen to be your roommate and you needed a guest host. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. But even then, was that worth that year of misery? No, nope. I, I, I hugely regret, be- in some ways, though. I hugely regret not even having much of a basis of scientific knowledge. I mean, I, yeah. I you know, and it's not like I'm, uh, you know, playing any big music gigs. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, even, you know, with, with with trigonometry, I mean, but you know. There were certain things, even with maths. I, I I sort of got away with maths. I wasn't very good at it, but uh, I got away with it. And uh, but there's times, you know, when you go, I'm never going to, you know, manufacture wigwams or whatever. I don't know <laughs> sure. why. You know, there's times where you do. We at that age, and what well, turned out, I think maybe they, they did know best. Maybe I should have done at least a, a basic class. No, the wigwam scare of '87. I remember that. <laughs> a lot of people got turned off that. <laughs> well, yeah. What, what would you, Matt, if you had kids who were saying, "I don't want to study this because how is this ever going to be useful in my life?" What would you tell them? I don't. I don't know. I, I'd hope to try and get across. It might not be useful, but it is interesting, and it makes you a more rounded, better informed person. And it's a possibility. It's directly useful. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to end up being. But also, know? I think it wildly depends on how you are taught. Like I, I, we've talked about this yeah. a bit before on the show. I think I got lucky with a few. I think I had a nat- my. I was naturally better at the sciences than in the arts. Anyway, that's just the way my brain tend tended to work. Yeah. But I had some really good, interesting science and math teachers. Uh, whereas I think if you don't have that, like I experienced it. We, we definitely talked about this on the show a while ago. But my ex girlfriend had kids, and I remember helping like the thirteen year old with some math homework. Yeah, and he had. The way it was being taught, I, I, I was like, no wonder you find this excruciating and dull and confusing because you're not learning. He ha- the way that it was taught, he had no understanding whatsoever of why he was doing anything he was doing. Like yeah. it was just yeah, you, plug, it, and, plug and chug. Exactly. It's just identify yeah. what kind of problem it is and then remember what the method is that you had to do when you're faced with that kind of problem. Yeah. Well, and and you, no understanding of what's underneath that or what, what's even happening or what's going on. And you go, well, now you're learning something that a computer can do in a microsecond because it's literally just fill in the gaps. Oh, well, I, I, had a long, I had a long run of teachers that were... I had, I had, my early education I had great teachers, and I was in, like, gifted classes and all that shit. My mm-hmm. math teacher in seventh grade was this guy, Dr. Jones, who's like brilliant no, no time for love with him no time for love yeah no and um is that related to the same dr jones from the aqua song 
<laughs> I don't even know that one, but it was the follow up to Barbie Girl. Yeah. Uh, well, no, we no, because we would spend the whole time. You know, that's how I learned to count crows. Of course, okay. was it uh, Doctor Jones and me? And uh, B- before he got his doctorate, before he got his, it was Mister. Yeah, 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 at the time. Uh, but he was incredible, and it was like so. I was doing like mathletes and all that shit, uh, and then I just had this run of teachers that were dead inside, mm-hmm. like an uncanny run of shit teachers for years until probably two years left of high school. My English teacher was incredible. I had a great creative writing teacher. But it was it was like it makes of course it makes all the difference. But even then, I did already know. Like at that point, I mean, I knew by the time I was fifteen or sixteen what I was going to do, and I don't think that that's that way for everyone. Yeah, people that did that when I was in high school, I was just flabbergasted by. Like my girlfriend in high school knew she wanted to be a nurse at seventeen. I'm like, how do you possibly? And now, uh, twenty years later, she's still a nurse. I'm like, okay, you knew, I guess. But right, but but uh, so I don't I don't think she should be punished for that. Yeah. It's, it's on her if she's like, yeah, I'm not going to take the art class because nurses don't need to know how to paint. And then if she figures out she's wrong later, she can regret it and feel yeah. stupid. But, you know, I just knew, like, yeah, I'm not going to balance equations. That's not... Not your thing? Not my thing. Was By the way, this sort were of... There, were there any teachers that, like, science teachers that you found good or any classes that you found interesting? Or just no, never... No, not, not, um, not at school, no. And, 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 of course, teachers do make a huge difference. And if they can make... Uh, a subject that could potentially be quite dry, interesting. Then, then you do, I mean, it's only natural, isn't it? I mean, again, I, 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 I had yeah. good uh, uh, English language teachers were fun. Um, uh, even you know, I, I took religious education, and not because I'm religious at all, but because there was a great teacher, and it was like fifty percent. Um, looking at the Gospels and 50% contemporary issues. And that was the part that interested me, that there were only like going to be eight people in the class sitting around drinking coffee and, and having discussions uh, yeah. about poverty and war and stuff like that. And that, that, you know, that really interested me. But uh, someone else, you know, the idea of taking RE or religious education, religious studies, whatever, as, and choosing to take that is, is you know, yeah. madness. So I never, I never had to or did take any religious classes, but I'm not sure I regret that either, but... Uh, but actually, this, this sort of relates to an email we got from a listener who's in engineering school right now and wanted advice. Um, the best fake name of anybody who's ever written into the show, uh, Thor Rufflebottom, uh, is a mechanical engineering student at it's the... Not a fake, I can't believe you just said that's a fake name. <laughs> you, do you know the Tasmanian Rufflebottoms? <laughs> He's going to the oh, uni, rough, rough uni of... Tas, it's not, they don't say ta- Tasmania? It's Tasman. Tasmania. They do say Tasmania. That is a, that is a Tasmania. Yeah. Okay, that I is thought. a name that, like, if it were an English posh name, that would be it would be spelled Rufflebottom, but it would be pronounced like Rothbo. Yeah, <laughs> Ray Fiennes. <laughs> Why did I think Tasmania? Oh, because Tanzania is Tanzania. It's not Tanzania. Yeah, but Tasmania. Okay. Um, he said in his story, but also he just asked if I had any tips for engineering students in their sophomore year and beyond. And I was thinking back on that year, which was my absolute low point academically and probably life wise, and. Uh, if I had learned anything, if if I could have gone back to learn anything, it would have been to learn uh, teamwork. I don't know if that was a big thing in the math program, but in engineering, like I I failed. I didn't fail, but I got I got my lowest grade in any class ever. I got my two lowest grades ever my sophomore year, and one of them was because I didn't like I thought I can do this on my own. I don't want to have to hang out with these nerds who are all like ganging up together. Like I was like the outsider in engineering school. I felt like. And I was like, that's okay, I can just do this shit. But I'm like, that's a much more useful life skill to learn how to, like, work in a team than um, to just figure out how to, like, scrape by my course on your wasn't, own. My course wasn't teamwork at all. The only teamwork really? I really got involved in was the year I failed. I actually did fail. 
was panicking and trying to copy someone else's work in a hurry because it was due in the next day. Oh, shit. Or due in the next hour. I did drama, which was too much teamwork. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. constant yeah. teamwork. There can be too much. Oh, it's nonstop team, teamwork. Hugs. <laughs> too many hugs. Too much support. Yeah. Oh, I could never overcome my cynicism at warm-up exercises oh my God. of oh. any kind. It just, it just makes me laugh. It's, yeah. just, it's just ridiculous. It's absurd. Do you guys do crazy eights? Or is that just improv? What's that one? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, you know no, this? no. I'm no, not going to finish. You just shake your hands? You shake your hands eight times and your feet eight times, then seven, then six, then five, then four. But as a group... But you get quicker and quicker. Uh, no, it's uh, the, the, the per beat thing is the same, but then since it'll be a shorter time, it'll reset fast. Sounds it's, like a sobriety test. Yeah, right? It's For some reason, it's like a universal improv warm-up thing. We, we used to throw our vowels, though, across the room. So we'd be like, A-E. Oh, no. Yeah, and then, and, then, and then hits around an invisible ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, we a, did a lot of, lot of invisible ball work. Yeah. Is the samurai sword thing a thing in acting also? No. Where, no. like, if you... you uh, chop somebody and they chop the people to the if you chop to your right they I forgot how it all works it's this is not good for an audio medium anyway so, no. so, so some of the, some of the um uh some of the stuff that you do in, in those sort of impro classes well and, and impro groups I was at the Edinburgh Festival and we were on after this uh, American impro group I can't remember what they were called but they had George Went um, was, was there for a few days uh, and he was obviously from, from that group and uh, we used to arrive and they'd be doing the same song every night like, where they picked out members of the audience and it was just insert name <laughs> at this point and it right. didn't even rhyme just yeah. like, here's his job and everything and then uh, you know sometimes you know they're going uh, there was one point obviously they were supposed to bring something out of a box but they didn't get to finish that that exercise on stage sure. and just as they were leading I remember hearing this woman just still going to one of the other performers going what was in the box you gotta tell me what was in the box <laughs> so I was thinking there was nothing yeah. something in his imagination leave it it's finished <laughs> whatever you need there to be in the box yeah. is there for you <laughs> yeah. when I was uh, 18 I played in a band that was a backup band for an experimental dance troupe that would, pra- that would practice at a, yeah they Whoa. would practice at a Quaker church and um, it was the weirdest fucking thing ever. It was like a Quaker church, but also like community garden. Like, like you know, Quakers are super hippies. Yeah, it was like yeah, the most yeah. hippy-dippy. And it was just, just experimental. Like, no, we're not going to have like a routine. Everyone just does their own thing. It was the, it was the weirdest thing I've ever been a part of. <laughs> and I was just in this <laughs> improvised band. I was the guitar player for this thing. Because my, my friend T-Claw got me involved. <laughs> so I should have known from the get-go. Did you say T-Claw? Yeah, my friend is T-Claw. Is short for Thunderclaw? No, it's short for T-Claw. Okay. And he now <laughs> is a square dance caller. That's what he does professionally. Um, so he's the guy, swing your partner round and round and... <laughs> you know, square dances. <laughs> yes, That's his know. job is he's a professional square dance caller. I think he gets paid in like cherry pie. I don't know how the fuck it works. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was just the weirdest... <laughs> The, well, speaking of Quakers, uh, and yeah. oh, were you going somewhere, Matt? I, I, well, I was going to link to a story just on the subject of, since we're talking about education and how much science knowledge is valuable or innate, mm-hmm. there's a story that Justin Broad sent in a few weeks ago that we hadn't got a chance to get around to, that um, chicks, baby chicks, um, have associate the left-hand side with smaller numbers and the right-hand side with high numbers. So this might be something that's innate in us. Hmm. Uh, there's an article in the LA Times that says to see how this relates to you imagine the numbers 1 to one to 10 in a horizontal line um, you've probably put 1 on the far left and 10 on the far right um, but that's we're in English we're English readers we're English speakers Arabic readers who read from right to left organise numbers with the lowest number on the right and the highest one on the left 
but it turns out the inclination to associate low numbers with the left side of what scientists call the mental number line and higher numbers on the right might not be influenced by purely cultural factors like the direction we were taught to read. Um, this new study in science shows that three-day-old chicks associate smaller numerical values with the left and larger with the right. So these non-verbal baby animals have the same mental lo- number line as you. By the way, you know what I love about three-day-old chicks? There's three of them. Hey, <laughs> yay. There it is. Uh, All pants half off. Yep. <laughs> this is all very well, but how is this helping Rufflebottom with his engineering yeah. course? <laughs> Who's Rufflebottom? Oh, you went to get a drink. We talked about Thomas Ruff, uh, uh, Thor Rufflebottom. I went, no, I went to go get rid of a drink. Oh, I see. We're, Why did you make this motion to being? see if you guys wanted anything? Okay, I wasn't letting. It's like, hey, I'm going inside. Would you guys like something to drink? I wasn't. That's not like, how hey, I s- I'm going to pee. If you guys yeah, want it, then right, like, yeah, do it in a cup. If you guys want, I'll pee in a cup for you. He's a Thor, Thor Rufflebottom, but we call him T Bump. T Bump. Wow. Um, so, to come to this conclusion, a team of scientists led by psychology researcher Rosa Rogani at the University of Padua in Italy, ran a group of fuzzy chicks through a bunch of experiments. I think there's editorializing <laughs> yes. there. It's not like a species of chick. <laughs> <laughs> First, the team trained the chicks to find food behind a central panel with five dots on it. Keep track of the number of dots on the panel. It's important, says the article. Five. Five. Five dots. <laughs> five dots. After the training was over, the researchers put two panels with dots, each in the test space, one on the right, the other on the left. 70% of the time, the chicks went to the panel on the left to look for the food first. Okay. Okay. So in the middle, there's five dots. On the left, there is a panel with two dots. On the right, there's a panel with two dots. No, there's just two... Two panels with Wasn't two dots Wasn't that the panel each. that they had the food in before? Um, hang on. Wait. So, wait, wait. They trained them to find food behind a central panel that had five dots. After that training, they put two panels with two dots each... One on, on the, the right, one on the, on the right. Left. Okay, so the there's just two panels, each there's with two three. No, there's three now, right? There's a two and a five and a two. Or am I reading it wrong? Uh, I don't know. It's, ambigu- it's ambiguous whether it's they've left the original us, one there. They didn't leave the original. Rude. I think they've taken away. No, they've taken away the original. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. So no, that's what was confusing me. They had five, a single five dot one originally. Mm-hmm. Now they've got two two dot ones. Okay. okay. There we go. Next, the researchers replaced the two-dot panels with panels that had eight dots each. Classic. <laughs> a numerical value higher than the one on the panel the chicks have been trained on. This time, the chicks first looked for their reward behind the panel on the right 70% of the time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, okay. So We're going to need some sort of second experiment. We are going to mm-hmm. need a second experiment. So this is experiment one. So experiment one, they first got them trained on the idea that there's a five-dot panel and it has food behind it. Right. Yeah. And then when there's two panels, each with fewer dots, they go to the left. And when there's two panels, each with higher numbers of dots, they go to the right. Sure. Okay. Sure. In the second experiment, a new group of chicks was trained to find food behind a central panel with 20 dots on it. Ah, oh, too many dots. Mm. A lot of dots. When the researchers put two panels in the test area with 32 dots each, the chicks first went to the panel on the right 77.5% of the time. When they were replaced with panels with eight dots, they went to the panel on the left 70% of the time. Those are pretty huge percentage. Like, I would have thought it that would be a, a much smaller change. Mm. Yeah. Chicks that had experienced the number five as the target associated the number eight with the right side of space. On the contrary, chicks that had experienced the number 20 as the target associated the number eight with the left side of the space. Sure. The author's right. Hmm. In an article accompanying the paper... Peter Bruger of the University Hospital in Zurich 
in Switzerland, who was not involved with the research, writes that the results suggest the inclination to put lower numbers on the left and higher numbers on the right may be pre-wired in the brains of humans, chicks, and other members of the animal kingdom. Eat that, Islam. <laughs> and Judaism. There's a, are they the two biggies that have right-to-left writing? There must be others. Uh, I don't know, but there's, there's top-to-bottom writing in, in some Asian languages. Oh, right? yep. 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 But that's also uh, right-to-left. Uh, right okay, but it's just first top-to-bottom bottom, that it goes yeah, to the left. Yeah. So cultures with right-to-left reading can affect the orientation of this mental number line, he writes, but the chick experiment and a previous experiment that found infants up to four months old prefer an increasing order, one, two, three, to a decreasing order, three, two, one implies the biological default is a number line that goes from left to right. Spatial mapping of numbers from left to right may be a universal cognitive strategy available soon after birth. That may seem random. Why left to right? Why not right to left? But it is possible that this preference is due to brain asymmetry, which is a common and ancient trait in vertebrates. Sure. Other studies have found that in humans, numerical information is processed in the right cortex of the brain. Uh, Presumably the predominant role of the right hemisphere for numerical ordering biases initial attention to the left side of both physical and number space. It's not clear if other animals similarly process numbers in a specific part of their brain, but thanks in part to this experiment, the authors think it's likely. Now, did they test any left-handed chicks? Because I wonder if... I'm sorry, left-clawed chicks. Left-clawed oh, chicks. yeah, yeah. See, the ones that are more creative? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I did this exact same experiment, and my results were pretty much 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. then, you know, I mean, take up the grain of salt. They weren't... They, they were four days old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, no, yeah. the, the crucial thing. between the third and fourth day. <laughs> also, for are they fluffy or fuzzy? I can't remember <laughs> what it was. I just tried. They weren't too fuzzy. No, I'm left-handed. Doesn't mean shit. You're pretty creative. You're more creative than than the average person. I, but I, I mean, that could be. You've chosen a creative path as your life. I, I don't think that could. I don't think you could put that down to my handedness. You know. But there's preponderance of great left-handed musicians, like a, more than there are. Per, uh, I, I think the percentage of greats in that area is more than the percentage of left-handed people. I think in. you could... Look, I know a lot of left-handed people that really suck ass. <laughs> you know what Let's I mean? start naming names. Well, no, I'm just saying. I know a lot of left-handed people that are just uncreative, boring fucks. And it's like... You know, because we get together. We have meetings. Okay. You know, there's a secret knock um, and, all, and whatnot, you know? It's just with your left hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's the but, same knock. Yeah. It's just... Musically, if you're a guitarist and you buy a left-handed guitar... And you're more likely to, to not hand it over to someone else at a party. So, there you go. Oh, okay. It's mm. like you can, you know what I mean? You just get practice. You get more practice. Exactly. Yeah. That's yep. what I'm thinking, yeah. Yep. Good call. Didn't, uh, didn't they say that, I don't know where I read this, but that maybe part of Kurt Cobain's, uh, <laughs> can't blame his suicide on this, I guess, but like, didn't he play, like force himself to learn to play right-handed even though he's left-handed or something? I don't know. And that caused some mental strain? I thought I don't I'd heard that. I don't know. They or definitely... maybe he's strong a left-handed. I know he had yeah. chronic stomach pain because of a pinched nerve in his back, which turned out later to be during the autopsy. Oh, um, because his posture was the worst. He had like the worst posture of anyone ever. You know, um, so the way he played guitar, his technique, like he's the one that sort of made it popular to play really low. Oh, you know, remember in the yeah, '90s, everyone yeah, like yeah. string it down by your knees, like mm. it's like no Green, wants to Green be, like, Day would play Kingston Trio up at your like nipples, or yeah. right? Yeah. And and then it's like after grunge, I think you could look at it on a graph of like gu- guitar height from the floor. Like now, the Strokes, they just sort of string it up by their neck. Yeah, you yeah. know, if you if you look at like folk bands, like they're playing a ukulele. Yeah, folk bands, it covers their face. 
They just have it in front of their face. <laughs> high base in your face. Have you seen that in McCarthy do that high base? No. Air base in front of his face. No. <laughs> Not enough space between the base and your face. Got the high base in your face. A friend Sorry. of mine wouldn't join a band because um, the lead guitarist or the rhythm guitarist um, had his guitar too high. Yeah. <laughs> Not cool. Yeah. And Not he said cool. He wouldn't. And I, I'm, and I was are you serious. That's the reason. And he was. He told the guy around the band, "I'll join, but I can't. Not if I can't join with him in it." The reason he, the stage. Too high. The reason the stage was invented is so you could actually stand at the edge and have your guitar strung below your feet. Okay. That's so you could reach down, sort of like a chimp. You know, that's why stages were invented. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And now, you know, they see bands are going to start playing increasingly more just in pits instead of on stages. I see. I because see. The, guitar, the guitars are getting higher, you know. In all fairness, this guitarist also had a music stand. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the clincher. Yeah. 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 I might bail on a music stand guitarist. <laughs> we all remember that, that pivotal moment on the Ed Sullivan show when the Beatles set up their four music stands. And, yeah. yeah. And their conductor got into yeah, place. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've always said this. This is why orchestras annoy me. I've always been annoyed they by orchestras. They should be off book by the time they get there. <laughs> Learn the fucking song. Yeah. You're, you're supposed to be the best musicians in the world. Like, look, here's the deal. If you go see a play, right, and the whole cast is up there with their script and the director's, like, blocking your view, pointing at them, doing different stuff. That's you, a very good you, point. You, you still have a prompt, which, which, well, is, which is a concept that I'd forgotten about until I saw my, my mum... Uh, uh, my mum's boyfriend it always sounds weird because so, they've been together like 30 years but part, right. of, part of it no makes it sound like a lesbian yeah, yeah. <laughs> right um, uh, and she um, uh, yeah her, her boyfriend slash partner um, is still they belong to this really bad amateur dramatics group sure and we went to go and see a, a really awful like all moms and boyfriends yeah oh, ter- really <laughs> terrible like they they, they, they they do like a, they, they do Christmas shows where they sing all the carols and okay. all that kind of stuff sure and they do a pantomime every year but they're really short of actors and actresses do they throw vowels at each other <laughs> yeah, they stand around yeah. oh, they must that. have done they, they must have done <laughs> and and um they, uh, we went to go see a play called Run, Run for Your Wife, which is a is an eighties sort of farce. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's awful, anyway, and it's just like lots of like, oh, look, he's kissing her in that room, and oh, she's about to come in that door. Right, uh, <laughs> and they skipped like um, thirty or forty pages in in the script somehow on the first night, um, and everyone was all confused, and there was just silence on the stage for a while, and then you just heard this little voice, this little woman's voice, go. I think it's in the... And then one of the actors is like, I think it's in the bedroom. <laughs> and I've totally forgotten about the idea of, of a prompt who's going through with the script. Sure, but, but in, in, the defense of, in the defense of what I was saying about orchestras is you're like, yeah, this play is shitty. <laughs> like, it might be good when they're done. And that's how I feel, like, at a symphony. I'm like, you know, you, you guys, sounds like it's going to be great, but I don't know why I have, to, I have to wear a tuxedo to be here. I saw... I saw Metallica one time. They were drunk. They played for three hours. It was five dollars to go. No, no, they didn't have music set, stands set yeah. up. They do that, like some of the older bands when they tour nowadays. They have teleprompters with the lyrics. Well, really? Oh yeah, yeah. Every often you'll catch it like yeah. on the reverse wow. angle. Well, they have teleprompters with the music too. And I always thought it would be awesome. Like when, Ze- when Zeppelin did their big reunion at O2 Arena mm-hmm. um, with Jason Bonham. They, uh, Jimmy Page had a, a teleprompter set up that had like his guitar solos on it and stuff. I love it. It was just written out on a That's, that's what I mean. <laughs> weedly, weedly, wah, scoodly, flu, doo, doo. Wow, wow, down. And then it just says, now jizz it the fuck out. Right. V stance. Look fucking cool. Squidly, doo. <laughs> Do the thing though. where two of you share a microphone now. 
it's just written by like a 14 year old fanboy as their transcriptionist <laughs> like, look cool as fuck and then he was like boom boom <laughs> and then he like fucks it on the drums and I boosh and then they were like breaking shit and stuff ah uh, it was sick now grab the mud shark Grab that. <laughs> right right yeah their whole night their whole night has is teleprompted yeah I give it five stars. Reviews at NewYorkTimes.com send. <laughs> that was in Seattle, the Mud Shark story. Yeah, it was some hotel that had like the balconies overlooked the sound, right? Is yeah, and it, well, they came with fishing poles. That was like a that was one of the gimmicks. Oh, okay, there's a there's a famous picture of the Beatles uh, when they played Seattle, uh, fishing off the balcony. But oh. I don't think they did anything with a Mud Shark. I mean, do you think that that Zeppelin even did, or is it just a total I absolutely think they did. I think I think John Bonham. You know the story? No, I don't know. So it's one of those. It's in like Hammer of the Gods, the Zeppelin biography that their manager. There's a few witnesses. There's enough witnesses for me to believe a story. Yeah. Well, supposedly they caught a mud shark from the balcony. Baby mud shark. Baby mud shark from the balcony of this hotel, and then uh, used that mud shark to to uh, pleasure a young fan of the group. Wow. It was dead. The mud shark was dead. (laughs) Oh, they were saying the fan. Okay. That's yeah. Well, even if it wasn't, would that change anything? I mean, yeah. Who is it worse? Someone has a great bit about that. I'm just looking at what a mud shark is. All Uh, right. Someone has a great bit about that. About how like um. Wow. Someone has a great bit about how, like, you know, if you're Led Zeppelin, you're staying in a hotel, just your lobby is full of groupies. Uh-huh. So, like, what manager or personal assistant had to go down and be like, hey, ladies, uh, who wants to meet Led Zeppelin? Okay, no, out of you guys. <laughs> 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 Follow up. Have you ever heard the um, the, the story, and, and I hope it's true, um, about the Who when they were they were traveling in, uh, in Australia in the tour bus through the outback, and they hit a kangaroo. Uh, and they all got out, and they were like, "Oh no, this is terrible! Oh my God, what have you done, Karma? Wow!" <laughs> and um, uh, so they they're sort of standing around, really upset about having hit this kangaroo. And they um, said, "Well, let's get a picture with it." So they uh, put a uh, who jacket. <laughs> On the uh, oh, on the God. kangaroo, they lifted it up to get the picture, and apparently it was just stunned and ran away. And the idea that there's there's a kangaroo with a who jacket somewhere in the outback with all his kangaroo friends jealous, and he started he smoking cigarettes when he got back. <laughs> it's original as well. <laughs> It'd be amazing if that is true. Wow. Well, you know what's dangerous to hit a kangaroo when you're tour- you know what would be more dangerous. What's that Andy? to hit if you're on your tour bus? Is a uh, thousand kilogram prehistoric rodent with titanic teeth. Oh, that would be dangerous. Would be sounds, a, a much more dangerous thing. You need an extra, extra large. Yes. Luckily, okay. it lived uh, in South America around three million years ago. But um, So we don't have to worry about it. Probably not. No. Uh, when scientists discovered the fossilized skull of a huge prehistoric rodent six years ago in Uruguay, they could tell right away the extinct buffalo-sized creature had freak- freakishly large incisors. But a new analysis of the specimen of Joseph... Artigasia monisi, believed to be the largest rodent ever to have lived, reveals that this ancient relative of the guinea pig used its gigantic teeth for more than delivering a powerful bite. Sure. We concluded that Josepho Artigasia <laughs> might have used its incisors for activities other than biting, such as digging in the ground for food or defending itself from predators. Dr. Philip Cox, a professor of physiology at the University of York and Hull York Medical School in England, who led the research, said in a written statement, this is very similar to how a modern-day elephant uses its tusk. Its tusks. Yeah, this thing looks like a guinea pig, but it is massive. They have a picture of it in silhouette next to a uh, woman standing rather coquettishly for some reason. Yeah, I'm she does sure. look a sexy pose. Right. It's, it's sort of like, I think it's she's the best way to deal with those animals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't play dead, you play that sexy. <laughs> <Yeah>. She's kind <laughs> of be a stu- great defense if you had to do that for some animal. Yeah. <laughs> 
flirt. <laughs> if being approached by the northern grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> Bats an eyelash or two. <laughs> Lascivious behaviour. <laughs> um, she's almost standing the way a, like the assistant in a game show presents prizes. <laughs> yeah. Good call. You've won a giant guinea pig. <laughs> I think, I think a, a sculptor would refer that as a contrapasto stance. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be that? I... Wait on one foot, the other foot just for... Bal- just for uh... Uh, not if you're next to a pacarana. The modern day closest living relative. No, that's true. Yeah. Beveling. That's, is she beveling? Is you know what beveling is? It's a thing that um, that p- people do in pictures where where um, they stand. Oh no, be- beveling's more sort of standing with uh, one leg straight and one leg knee slightly in. Oh, they call it like popping a knee, I think. Right, right okay, to yeah, make yourself yeah. look uh, it's more curvy as a yeah, lady or something. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of tricks. All kinds of crazy tricks. All kinds of tricks. Anyway, we're getting off subject. So this is the giant uh, guinea pig. And it's believed to have lived in South America around 3 million years ago and to have weighed around 1,000 kilograms. Uh, for their analysis, the researchers used, used CT scans of the fossil to build a virtual reconstruction of the skull. They then used the reconstruction and computer modeling to simulate the animal's bite and teeth, which again are massive. The simulations showed the rodent's bite was as powerful as a modern-day tiger's and that its teeth were extremely strong. And those findings suggest that the ancient animal could have used its teeth for more than just chewing, Science Magazine reported. And we will link to the story if you want to see uh, these awesome yeah. artist renderings. If you go to probablyscience.com. The link was, uh, that story was, by the way, sent in by listener Ruby Miller. Thank you, Ruby. That, Thank what you what else would it be then, other than chewing? Basically, for digging in the ground. Oh, okay. And that's, for defending itself. That's right. one of my favorite uh, biological eras, I guess you would call it. Because, like, we, we get so caught up with dinosaurs. You know, when you're in school, you learn about dinosaurs. And then you just think it's like dinosaurs kind of straight to now. It's like, but right. There was the, just the crazy shit that was going on, like, you know, when mammals first showed up on the scene. And that's why, like, Australia is a great example of, of all of their marsupials and stuff. And, like, like the duck-billed platypus and thing, things like weird, yeah. weird stuff that hasn't evolved that much since then. That, that was just sort of the deal. That like, you seen, like, those... evolved that much since then. Well, isn't Australia... Like, super old... Australia's full of, like, the oldest animals, if you want to view it that way. Like, kangaroos are, like... They don't have a placenta. I mean, they're... they're it's very isolated. Yeah, but it, but it became isolated because it was a supercontinent with South America and Antarctica, and then became very isolated. So it's like, you have a bunch of animals there that, that don't lay a placenta. Like, duckbill platypus don't have nipples. Their milk just excretes from their skin. And Everywhere? Yeah. It just how, does, how do the babies get it? They just get up under the fur and get that shit. Oh. Just lick it off. Yeah, but it's it's like incredible lack of evolution that hasn't that other mammals have developed. So like, like a kangaroo, a kangaroo's baby like weighs it's like as big as a pinky, and then it has to crawl up out of the vagina, fall into the pouch, get at the nipples, and then gestate there. Uh-huh. And it's insane. It's like you're like, oh, that's a that's a preemie birth, but that's just it how have the womb hasn't worked de- out. Yeah. yeah. Also, platypus so, incredibly venomous. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Where were you guys that? talking about that on the the, the Tofop? We were talking about uh, on the Tofop, which yeah. hasn't come out yet, but the Tofop oh, 200th episode. So that we'll be talking about that. But then afterwards, my friend Beth, who was a scientist, came and was in the audience, came up and said, "Yeah, the type of toxin that is in the platypus is not like the cl- the spikes on the back of the legs, right? But apparently, it just kills you by giving you the worst pain ever. Oh, like, really? Just, it's one of the worst ways to die. It just fires all of your pain receptors wow holy shit it can kill a human apparently i thought they were saying that pretty much isn't like people don't carry it's really hard to provoke them to actually do it this is also and how do they actually attack you with the back of their legs uh i can't be that stupid being sassy (laughs) yeah Uh, uh, 
and you, I'm sure you discussed this, did you? That, that wasn't there, didn't uh, was it? Was it Darwin who sent one back? Who, who sent one back and they thought it was a uh, hoax? Oh, I think a lot of people. Like sent a, them back. a dead, uh, a they dead. Thought, yeah. They sent him as yeah. a specimen back to England. Yeah, and, and they were like, oh yeah, they yeah. clearly just sewn on a beak here, a beak. onto an otter. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like a duck beak. It's really rubbery and soft. Yeah, it's, it's like it, a really. Uh, but it does look just baffling as an animal. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, it's hence uh, Richard Jenny's signature bit, right? What's that? Didn't he have a, even a, a sitcom based around this? Like Richard Jenny called himself yeah. the platypus man. Like he has no place in this modern world. He shouldn't oh, be. Oh, got it, got it. And Here we go. Uh, on Wikipedia, uh, when, it was first encountered in 1798. A pelt and a sketch were sent back to Great Britain by Captain John Hunter, the second governor of New South Wales. British scientists' initial hunch was that the attributes were a hoax. George uh, Shaw, who produced the first description of the animal in Naturalist Miscellany, in 1799 stated it was impossible not to entertain doubts as to its genuine nature and Robert Knox believed it may have been produced by some Asian taxidermist it was thought that someone had sewn a duck's beak onto the body of a beaver-like animal like you couldn't find the stitching if uh, it had yeah <laughs> Shaw even took a pair of scissors to the dry skin to check for stitches oh okay so there we go they, they, yeah it was absolutely thought what, to be a hoax what an exciting time when it was still possible to just not like a new species of something, but just a whole new fucking yeah, animal. Yeah, not like a different, slightly different insect, but right. you know the basic kind of insect that right. it is. But, but like, just like, yeah, you're still going right up the taxonomy. Like not, yeah, yeah. Like, even like, not even in like a new genus, like a new If you go to the class. In, yeah. in New York, the Natural History Museum, it's been there for, it's a really old museum, so all of their specimens are really old. I mean, they're all taxidermied, but... I love like seeing the photos like um, donated in 1893 by Sir whatever and then it's just the pith helmet and the mustaches yeah, yeah. the giant blunderbuss and it's back when like you could go go on safari oh, yeah. well there's a museum <laughs> hunt, <laughs> hunt beast yeah <laughs> there's a uh, I think like of one of the earliest episodes of this show we talked about the Horniman Museum in South London which is great to go to it's free if you're in London have you never ever been, been there never been oh, where it's, it? it's 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 quite central South London. Okay. Or maybe actually kind of somewhere, I, th- I seem to remember it's somewhere near Camberwell kind of area. Okay, Horniman. Horniman, H-O-R-N-I-M-A-N. And it was named after Robert Horniman or someone Horniman. And it was exactly, it was like this guy, it, it's a collection of shit taken from the world. There's a lot of taxidermy. There's a lot of just weird curios. Right. And the centerpiece is this walrus that was sent back and the whole deal with it the walrus pelt was sent back but with no drawing or description of what a walrus looked like <laughs> and no idea that they're meant to be wrinkly right. so they just when they stuffed it they just fully inflated it nice. oh amazing <laughs> nice walrus blowfish uh, yeah hang on I'll see if I can get a picture uh, what a life when you could just be an adventurer yeah, yeah. everything cool's been done you just go off into the jungle Find some R-O-U-S's, which is oh, yeah. what uh, Ruby referred to this animal as, by the way. That. Oh, that's a giant fat oh, walrus. Wow. I'm going. That's great. Love it. Um, oh, um, Ruby also sent in a story, oh, sent in an answer to an old, old episode. I think she was catching up on our back issues about a computer game to solve medical problems, the Riley Newton episode we were talking about. Oh, yeah, about that was really cool. And she said she thinks she was talking about a game called Fold It, which uh, lets you manipulate the proteins of... Uh, of folded proteins within the game and they published it as a game and within weeks a protein related to HIV which had been troubling scientists for years was solved it gives you a set of rules and the more rules you follow the more points you get wow scientists analyze the highest scoring proteins and then I guess write papers or something oh no sorry that was from Julia Dondero my apologies that was a that was a different person who sent that in 
Uh, fuck you, Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> fuck off, Ruby. But thank you, Ruby, for sending us the really cool rodent's teeth story. Yeah, this is a great way of, of crowdsourcing problem solving is to couch it in, in a game. I'm surprised it hasn't been done. Maybe it has been done more. I just yeah, haven't heard a lot about it. I had a few. I haven't for a while, but I used my old PC, I used to have the SETI right. search for yeah, screensaver. I, I always wonder why they didn't do that with crimes more often. How would they do that? Just be like, hey, like, I mean, a lot... A lot of stuff, like if there's a serial killer on the loose or something, they don't reveal enough information because they worry that then that person will learn. Yeah. But if they completely revealed it all and completely to the public, there's got to be someone that's like, oh, yeah, obviously this is the pattern there. But yeah. Then, but then there's so much noise. Like when the Boston Marathon bombings happened, right? the Reddit group that was dedicated to basically solving like finding the guys dude leave Com- out some fucking hummus dude you'll yeah. catch him dude just leave <laughs> some fucking hummus in the street dude it was pretty much that like they found they completely like went we got him and it was just some innocent guy who right. happened to have a backpack and like they tracked the, the police very quickly went no not this guy at all but for the in the meantime that guy had to be hiding for we're gonna day. catch these fucking bamas we're gonna go get some fucking clam <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but this Foldit game, I guess 57,000 players, um, in a 2010 paper in, in the science journal Nature, they credited Foldit's 57,000 players with providing useful results that matched or outperformed al- algorithmically computed solutions. Oh, wow. while well, we're also correcting things, duckbill platypus's venom, it's from spur- ankle spurs, it can't kill a human, ah. but it can kill smaller animals such as dogs, but it, the pain is so excruciating that the victim may be incapacitated. Wow. Don't mo- if you see a platypus, act super sexy. Oedema yeah, rapidly develops around the wound and gradually spreads through the infected limb. It's a shitty thing to get stung by a platypus, but it's also very hard to make it happen. They're very passive creatures. So you yeah. need to be a real dick to a platypus to get it to sting you. Absolutely. I don't know if you'd have to like uh, steal its eggs or something. Or just accidentally swim too far behind it and catch his ankle. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. You don't want to run too closely behind a yeah, plane. Yeah, play yeah. like a wheelbarrow like a horse. race. <laughs> like yeah. a horse. Never get behind one. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do a wheelbarrow race with a platypus. <laughs> no, yeah. don't do it. Horrible idea. Don't or do if it. you do, make sure you're the front end of the wheelbarrow. Yeah. You're fine on the front end if you're the back end. If you're a get big get outdoor gig or a festival, don't put a platypus on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Don't but how it. are they supposed to see? They're not tall enough. <laughs> it's not know. fair. I think there should be a platypus <laughs> section at Australia's. <laughs> Biggest outdoor music festivals. If any of our listeners, of course, have gotten in some sort of foot race or wheelbarrow race or gone to festivals with platypi, uh, please write in. That's probably science at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Put in the subject line, platypus. Uh, what else can you do? You can email us. What, what's going on there? If you go to our site, you could also donate if you want to help us out. What are you talking about? You totally can. Talking about clicking on the PayPal link, as many listeners do, which helps us cover our costs and it makes us very appreciative and thankful of you, listeners. Has, has anyone done that? A few week? people have done that. Uh, Jessica Allen and Paul Freeland have monthly donations set up. Jessica, um, Paul, thank you. <laughs> uh, Russell Porter, who uh, met up with me back at Burning Man, and we um, we sang some Harry Belafonte karaoke together. Um, he sent in a donation, and he said that he uh, has been jogging in 100-degree weather Celsius. That's not possible. After work at the mine, he's a miner and goes around to different mines. And he gave what, is he a- like 12, 13? <laughs> His donation is the Qingdao market price for our combined body weights and one attractive guest in iron ore. So if you guys want to look up the... Market what? price of iron ore and divide by an approximate weight of four people. You can how, figure how the out fuck does he donation. know what our combined body weights are? He does. I guess he's estimating that we're all like one seventy five ish. He know. has sent too much money because I am smaller than that. Okay, this is. What would you guess the average person in the world's average male in the world's weight is? In the world, in the world. I'm going to Google this while you guys guess. 
Okay. In uh, pounds. Okay. Well, I guess the way you just add up how much they I, all weigh and then divide by the population. That's, that's how you should do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's just yeah, but there's disproportionate amount of people in certain countries that are, that are smaller than than. Well, that's uh, what I'm saying. So true. I'm going to go with like 155. 155 is your. Okay, well, this is by country. How about just saying in the United States? What? Was, oh, no, no, no! Change the rules. On no, us. I'm just saying. I googled it, and that's what I found: is average male weight by country. Yeah. In the U- U.S., I'd say. One ninety, yeah. Wow, yeah. One ninety-one, yeah. Good, oh, yeah. nice work. Yeah, they're they're big out there, That's man. A, they grow them bigger. It's kind of like the thing of like it's, how must a, have gone up a bit. <laughs> the deal is, it's like how like a catfish will grow as big as its environment, like the tank it's given. Oh, is that a thing catfish do? Yeah, like a, like a, a catfish. Like a stuffed walrus. Well, like a catfish in open water will be huge. It'll grow feet long, you know, but if, uh-huh. you, if you just have one at home in a tank, it, it'll stay very small. If you put them in, a, in like an ocean, then they, they'll get so big that you, nothing else will fit. Exactly. <laughs> and That's the danger. But I think that's sort of the deal with uh, America. I mean, we have so much space in the middle part, like uh, Kansas. People just grow to be like 400 pounds. It's just huge. Oh, I see. Okay. They're just giant. Oh, that's good. Whereas New Yorkers tend to be smaller. That's what I mean, because everyone's in a studio apartment. You know, LA yeah. is very thin, but it's like, you know, no one has air conditioning. It's just fucking terrible. You mm. live in, you know. Did you hear about this family that's lived in their apartment, these like six kids that haven't been allowed to leave their apartment their whole lives? There's a documentary about them at Sundance. No. Not sciencey, but sounds fascinating. Like well, the dad is, uh, is, is uh, I think schizophrenic alcoholic and like a Hare Krishna and he thinks the outside world would have corrupted his kids so he sure. kept his entire family in this four bedroom apartment in Manhattan they never left sounds fun and the kids have seen like 5,000 movies they're obsessed with recreating the dark night with like home uh, with like cereal boxes they've cut out to make the Bane costume and so, Batman so he's not shielding them from the outside world in every no, sense like, no he's quite a lot of movies yeah yeah in many ways the worst way to experience reality yeah it sounds filter through Hollywood I haven't seen the movie but it sounds fascinating and the pictures wow. of their costumes Costumes are so elaborate. It's so that they anyway. become the world's greatest cosplayers. Basically, yeah. The, the dad inadvertently created the best ever cosplayers. Uh, we have a couple of other people to thank. We do. Our yeah. German friend uh, Florian Gro- Groche or Groch? Grosch. Grosch. One of the two, I think. How do you, I, I apologize for butchering your name there, but thank you very much thank for the donation, Florian. Florian. Mm. Thank you, Florian. Thank you, Yeah. <laughs> yeah about that, That's good. And then massive thanks to. Ren Bacchus. Ren. They grow those t- t- uh, those donations bigger down in Texas. Yeah. I guess. So thank you, Ren. That was very generous of you. Yeah, we really appreciate it, Ren. Uh, other thing, what else you need? To, uh, there's the Amazon link. If you're buying anything on Amazon. What are you talking about? Uh, if you happen to buy anything on Amazon, you can also go to probertyscience.com first. And Why wouldn't I just Amazon go to link. Amazon to buy stuff on Amazon? Well, because then we get a little commission. We get a little kickback and it helps us keep this podcast going. We own and it Amazon? Costs you no extra money. We own Amazon.com? No, no, no. We own we own a, a Walk very small me through this. <laughs> Let's say I want to buy some ketchup. I kind of don't want to walk you through it because I'm a bit worried Amazon will at some point realize that this in no way helps there. It really doesn't make any sense because they don't tack on any extra fees and we get a percentage somehow. I, well, yeah. I think the idea is it's meant to be if you are, like, we're going like, hey, come and, like, our guest has a product that you should buy the DVD of or a book that you should buy and here's the link and we get the commission from it. But it seems to work for anything if you just click on the link first. So we get a little commission. So it just it's a way to help support the podcast. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe they're just giving you the money that they should be paying in tax in the UK. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that actually, it does add up. Like during Christmas time, a lot of listeners really um, came out in force and that was very helpful. So whenever you're thinking Amazon, just go to probablyscience.com first and click on that link, then shop as you normally would. we got time for a couple more stories, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, 
Do you want to do one about a super laser that can see molecules moving in real time? Yes. It's a story I saw. Just saw. Researchers in Palo Alto, which is really near here, have... Well, not really near here. I mean, like, really near here in American time. Okay, yeah. It's like, nearish. Sort of... Is it north of San Francisco? South of San Francisco. The Pretty south end here. of the bay. Yeah. yeah. It, it would be a, a solid five-hour drive. Pretty near to... Let's do it. Yep. Um, they've developed the most powerful X-ray laser in the world. The LINAC coherent life so- light source is being used to see how atoms and molecules move in living systems. The machine is a billion times brighter than the previous generation of lasers. Each X-ray pulse has as much power as the national grid of a large country, and hundreds... And a hundred are produced every second. Uh, that's nuts. So, um, Professor Mike Dunn, who runs the Palo Alto faculty, showed me around. Not me specifically. You did? Showed oh, Palo Alto, who's the there. science it's, correspondent it's a at long the museum. I've, I've <laughs> gigged at Rooster Tea Feathers, which is just up the road from there. Uh, he says, Professor Dunn says, think about a person running the hundred meters. The difference between first place and second place is sometimes a hundredth of a second. Take that hundredth of a second and divide it a million times. Then take one of those divisions and divide it another million times, and that's how fast this burst of X-rays is. Uh, Sounds like an estimate. (laughs) No, it's exactly it. (laughs) It's exactly how fast. Okay, so that makes sense. That's how they actually managed to have the energy for this thing. So it's a hundred times the national grid power of a a medium-sized country, but for a trillionth of a second. And the laser was developed at oh, the no, slack... No, the trillionth, a quadrillionth of a second. A million million is a... A million millionth of a millisecond. So of it's, a millisecond. Oh, yeah, yeah. quadrillion, yeah. And it was developed at the Slack National Accelerator Laboratory, where a friend of the show, Chris Rote, used to work, the guy who hooked us up with Matt Walker for our live show in San Francisco. Oh, cool. The Stanford Linear Accelerator. Um, its systems were adapted from a particle collider, but instead of smashing atoms, it enables researchers to see what is going on in living systems and to, crack, to track chemical reactions as they happen. And Professor Dunn said this is genuinely a revolution. We can now see for the first time deep inside an atom on the space scale and the time scale that chemistry and biology really happen. It transforms our ability to view the real world. Um, researcher Dr. Meng Liang was preparing a dish of the material found in the brains of people who have Parkinson's disease. She believes that the new laser has the potential to transform investigation in her field of study. So to actually image these things in real time with the brightness and the fastness that L- LCLS has will be really special. So we can film them and see them instead of just looking at evidence for these kind of things, she said. Hmm. So in another chamber, Professor Anders Nilsson has seen for the first time how atoms behave in a chemical reaction. He says the work would help chemists speed up and increase the efficiency of chemical production. But then again, I'm afraid of chambers. (laughs) Any kind of chamber? Stay out of a chamber. You know, don't work in a chamber, for fuck's sake. Um, A chamber of horrors. Can any any room be a chamber? I don't think so. I mean, what do you need? A chamber's on you. You make it a chamber. Does a chamber require a vault door with a spinny thing? I don't think so, no. Okay. I, th- I think a chamber, um, there has to at least be some more security. You could have a secret knock, even. Okay. A chamber has to be locked, of course. I, our chamber, is a chamber different from chambers? I feel like chambers is a looser thing. You could say, enter my chambers, and that could be any room. That's just more lexicon. Okay. You know? It's like, chambers is like boudoir. Isn't, I it thought is, chambers is for a lawyer, or for, like, for a judge. Oh, maybe it is. Mm. Well, they retire to their chambers, but right. they, they don't, they're never, but you can only retire to chambers... So or I welcome should stop inviting chambers. these ladies into my chambers. Like that's not scientifically well, accurate, not particularly when they're already in your bedroom. Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and then also, my you, chamber? you already have a chamber made, but no chambers made, which is a different, that's true. whole different deal altogether. 
And I, I guess those ladies have been turned off by the chambers pots that I have strewn mm-hmm. about my chambers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just keep saying that word. So they chambers. Why don't we have TJ Chambers back on the show, guys? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, yes. So <laughs> Professor Nilsson says it's a chemist dream. We can actually start to understand the processes and form, and from that understanding, develop new catalysts. It's been so successful, the LCLS, that Japanese government has built a similar system, and Europe is constructing its own version in Hamburg, Germany. I'm always having that dream. Yeah. <laughs> is that or the one where I'm running in slow motion? <laughs> one day, one day I hope to be that. Ex- one day I hope to be that excited about something that's boring. I w- <laughs> See, Jesse, if you paid more attention to chemical equations, no, this is obviously this is huge, man. Seeing atoms real time. Yeah, it's like sort of a companion to the to colliders. Which, by the way, other other story while we're at it, the Large Hadron Collider is about to restart with more energy. Whoa! So don't do it. E- 2012. They could find a new power seven. <laughs> <laughs> they could find a new particle that's even more exciting than the Higgs boson. Cthulhu. <laughs> don't do it, man. It's due to come back online in March after an upgrade that has given it a big boost in energy. No. That could force the first so-called supersymmetric particle to appear in the machine, with the most likely candidate being the gluino, which would give scientists direct pointers to dark matter. Oh, shit. How, sorry, I know this is a really basic question, but how, how, how big is it, the, 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 the Hadron Collider? Oh, okay, that it's is fucking huge. It's the, largest, <laughs> it's, the, it's the largest man-made thing. Is, is that it? true? Yeah. It's bigger than any skyscraper we built or any boat or, any, you know. Is it bigger than the Great Wall of China? Well, I think that was built in sections at dif- by different people. And okay, okay, it is. It's a circular tunnel with a circumference of twenty-seven kilometers, which is seventeen miles, and at a depth ranging from fifty to one hundred and seventy-five meters. Wow, um, it's pretty. Big. That's pretty deep too. That's nowhere near the size of the Great Wall of China, though. Right. No. Right. You say it's a basic question, but you didn't know those measurements. Ooh, that's a very good point. No, I did. I was just looking at porn. Oh. <laughs> I, was just, I was just looking at porn here while I just said the measurements from memory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's why I was looking at my computer. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Now I'm looking at Nidorama's uh, 10 things about the Large Hadron Collider you wanted to know but were afraid to ask. I hope that question is number one. Yeah, it is actually. What? Oh, no, the second one. No, that's, wait, none of them were how big it was. The first question is just <laughs> what do the words Large Hadron right. Collider mean? Yeah. Well, you know. The Large Hadron Collider could, uh, obviously the big worry when it came out, is it going to create some sort of super black hole? Right. Is it going to kill us all? Um, Well, uh, no, it's not. But there is actually a foundation called the Global Challenges Foundation. Um, They, of course, deal with the death clock. You know Mm -hmm. that clock that's the clock counts down to midnight? Yep. Which is basically the apocalypse clock, and it's been moved forward another minute. That's the end of humanity, not not the, yes, not the explosion the of the world or something. So their new report is out, the 12 risks that threaten human civilization. Um, so, guys, let's get bummed for a second should we, here. Should we try to have our guests guess what, what, what some of these top 12 risks that threaten human civilization sure, are? Sure, it's split, it's split into four categories, still counting down from 12 to 1, but it's um, we have current risks... We have exogenic risks. What we does that word mean? Emerging risks, like uh, exogenic means like um, outside the genic. Um, we have uh, <laughs> okay. emerging risks, and then we have global policy risks. Um, and how how general or basic are these things? I mean, I mean, like very are, are general. general we, are we, so, so, so there none of them. None of them are so like, it be like it's a not specific like a, disease. It's not like a guy's name that you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which would be such a bummer to make the list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Jesus, man. <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> I am very bad at cooking. <laughs> <laughs> He's been fired from every Red Lobster in Missouri. Oh, let's think. What would you say number one is? I think that's probably the easiest one to... Um, for the end of humanity. End of humanity. I can't see this list either. Uh, you haven't seen it? You're, you're also no, guessing? D- disease. Okay. No. Is it, Overpopulation. No. Is it global warming? There you go. Yeah. There oh, you okay. go. Or extreme climate change. Extreme climate change. That's right. the number one risk to human civilization right now. Beating out nuclear war. Beating out, rarely two. beating out nuclear war. Yeah. Sliding into the two spot. <laughs> hey, coming up at number three, we got ecological catastrophe. <laughs> hey, tell them what they want. How about number four, Andy? This nest, this nest, God damn it. I can't do my case of case. I can't pronounce my words. Casey uh, case. Yeah. Uh, number four, global pandemic. Oh, slipping in at number five, we have global system collapse. I'm not sure what that means. Is that uh, Terminator 2 style? Well, that's a system collapse, but on a global scale there, Andy. Okay, okay. Coming up, we have our hey, exogenic... What is, what is that even? Is that... I don't know. Is that... Is that like... Uh, it's probably uh, like like power failure, like global... I don't know if that's like a huge... Everything just gets too complicated and goes to shit. I don't know. I mean, over... Uh, Global Actually, system might be overpopulation. It might be dealing with that. I'm bringing up the full the PDF of the full report. So while you guys keep going through it, I'll find some more clarification. Coming up at number six, we have our exogenic risks. Moving on now, we have major asteroid impact. Ooh, that's, that's going to be a rough one. That's a lot higher than I thought it would be. Okay, okay. So exogenic means basically outside. Outside the genic. Got it. Coming up at number seven, we've got a super volcano. That's a regular volcano, but super, a la Yellowstone National Park. So shit that's outside of our control. Yes. Got it. Uh, Emerging risks, synthetic biology, nanotechnology, artificial intelligence, and then uncertain risks, which I don't think should be on the list. I think they wanted to round it out at 12. Yeah, you can't have that. Uh, Some other stuff. Number 12 is going to be future bad global governance. That's the undecided of the doomsday cl- list. Or it's like the uh, Gilligan's Island and the rest of the list. Right. <laughs> Some of those they... cross over, though, right? I mean, like uh, uh, ecological disaster. Um, if, if the world of humanity was wiped out through climate change, then that's pretty much an ecological disaster, right? But they're, I guess well, they're let's not get carried away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, overpopulation is, is going to do us in. Uh, but that's not on this list, change. is it? I think it, I think that's what global systems collapse means. We well, don't. Uh, the PDF is still loading. Is this the biggest PDF of all time, or do we have shitty internet? Today? I mean, I think that that uh, overpopulation is causing extreme climate change. It's causing, you know, ecological catastrophe, global pandemic. You know, we we the the amount of space that we need to maintain the food supply for 7 billion people is not realistic. But then again, I think that at this level of uh, detail, something like lack of food, the famine would would be able to be on this list if it were as, as important. I'm guessing that food supply isn't actually one of the things... Because I don't think it ever would. Like, it, well, no, it, no. There's always going to be hungry people, but I don't think it's going to be a big enough problem to have to possibly mean the end of Well, that's what I'm humans. saying is that we are ruining our planet creating that food supply. Just fucking ruining it. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it's not the lack of food that'll do us in. It's the ruining we're doing. In the we're ruining the environment the to sustain our population instead of trying to balance our population to sustain the environment. Like, we're, we're, I've always thought we're coming at the whole thing sort of wrong. Like, I... Sounds weird. I think a one-child policy, fucking dead on. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, by the way... Uh, I'm this, on board. I'm on this, board with it. The actual report has awesome graphic design. Each of these uh, possible humanity enders has a cool little icon... The super volcano one is badass. 
<laughs> the CO2 with an arrow underneath it, and the O and O2 is an Earth with a little two next oh, to it. That's cool. Some good design. Um, what, what's the date, by the way, that the um, on this clock? Next week, which is weird. Yeah. Thursday. We better put this episode up right now. I leave Friday. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Don't die in LA. Oh, that's a shame. Why did I, I get a return? <laughs> there is a new Earth-like planet that's been discovered that was discovered last last month, so we might be in luck. Let's go move oh. there. Wait, before we do that, I did find the, what they mean by a global system collapse, if you guys want to know. Oh, please. What is it? Yes. Uh, an economic or societal collapse on the global scale. The term has been used to describe a broad range of conditions. Often economic collapse is accompanied by social chaos, civil unrest, and sometimes a breakdown of law and order. Societal collapse usually refers to the fall or disintegration of human societies, often along with their life support systems. The world economic and political system is made up of many actors and with many with many objectives and many links between them. Such intricate interconnected systems are subject to unexpected system-wide failures caused by the structure of the network, even if the component of the network is reliable. This new actors rise. would be responsible. Yes. What's that? And new actors would be behind this. New mm-hmm. actors, yeah. Yep. Fucking actors. Actors. Yeah. Uh, you know that today is uh, the day that we're recording this podcast mm-hmm. is the date, the exact date that Marty McFly went forward to. No, it's not. They keep no, doing it's not. that. Really? It's, no, it's this year. It's, it's finally this year. It's the 17th of um, February. No, if you look it's at the... October or something, If right? you look on Snopes, people have done this for the last, like, five years or so. It's a really easy font to get, the yeah. digital font. It's but really the one, easy. the February one, I was looking at it today because someone posted it again, oh. and, like, it doesn't even match up with, like, they turned the, the 8 into a B by slicing off part of the LED in a way that, like, the oct, the top of the T in the Octobers below it, isn't the same shape there's no way they could have that slant to the beat first of all it, it's not today it is this year this is the first year where finally it is the right year it's 30 years back in the first yeah. movie 30 so years forward to like look at why can't we just wait and see yeah. when he shows yeah well, that, well that's a good call of course yeah. There was always a possibility that I'd make a fool of myself on this podcast. Um, who, I, who knew it was going to be I that? I didn't mean to <laughs> no, be so. No, no. I didn't mean to come down on you so hard for that. That's just something that's been around for so long that every time it comes up, it, it just like rubs me the wrong. We do have I'm sorry, uh, we I'm do sorry. have the self lacing shoes though. Those did come out this year. Good. We don't don't have the hoverboards, but the self lacing shoes are fucking awesome. I'm jo- just double checking to see if it is the same date forward and backward um, on the Back to the Future Wikia. The date is, oh, come on. This must be the first thing that comes up, right? Give me. They never go far enough into the future in those movies. Like, uh, what was the apocalypse date in Terminator 2? It was like 1997. Was it really? 97 was also when Lost in Space got lost. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm starting to wonder about Star Trek, man. Like, that was 23rd century. I mean, they set it, they really set it out there. So no one will be around to, like, get pissed about it. Like, we're not going to, you know, but... No one who made that call will still be around to right. answer. Right. Like, they don't care. But it's still, like, I, I don't see that happening by then, man. Yeah. 200 years? I don't I don't think we're going to be uh, warp driving it. Uh, well, we, we might need to get to a new Earth-like world if that thing happens, and there is one. Right. There's, a new mo- there's a new contender for the most Earth-like alien world picked out by Nat... Um, one of eight new planets spied in distant solar systems has usurped... There she is, right. the most Earth-like in the universe. <laughs> um, all eight of these planets were picked up by NASA's Kepler Space Telescope, taking its tally of such exoplanets past a thousand, but only three sit safely within the habitable zone of their host star, and one in particular is rocky, like Earth, as well as only slightly warmer. So the three potentially habitable planets join Kepler's Hall of Fame. 
uh, as revealed in this meeting of the American Astronomical Society, which now boasts eight fascinating planetary prospects. And researchers say the most Earth-like of the new arrivals, known as Kepler-438b, is probably even more similar to our home than Kepler-186f, which previously looked to be our most likely twin. And we all know how likely that was. Did you say fascinating? <laughs> you know what's always annoying. That is a good. If that word doesn't exist yet, it should. Yeah, I, I, I am particularly not, flat. How do you, how do you a define, flat planet? <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be okay. If someone's like a grower, a shower, not a grower, they could be fascinating. They have a fascinating. Uh, yeah. I just find this cold air a bit fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I may well have done. <laughs> I just got weirded out in like uh, sci-fi movies, you know, when uh, aliens land and we ask where they're from and they say the name of their planet, but then it like has a number. They're like, we're from, we're from <laughs> Kepler 375. And it's like, no, you would, Why would every you planet's going to be called Earth. Yeah. Every fucking planet is yeah. going to be called a planet or home. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it's, you're not going to name your own planet. Like with a weird. This is <laughs> this is child Z, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> this planet is twelve percent larger than Earth, which is bigger than one eight six F, but is closer to our temperature, probably receiving just forty percent more heat from its sun than we do from ours. So, if we could stand on the surface of four three eight B, it may well be warmer than here, um, and it, it is around a cooler red dwarf star, so your sky would look redder than ours does. But it's still, you know, it's pretty close. It's, it is, however, 475 light years away. And we still have essentially no idea what it's made of. But we'll still mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> Quato no wants to meet you. Um, so, yeah, new planet. New planet. Cool. New planet, and there's new, some more information about that. It's a, it's, that. See, it sounds like the planet looks like what they thought Mars looked like in Total Recall. Um... Well, even it says in this article, even once scientists have anointed a candidate as a confirmed exoplanet, the question of whether or not it is Earth-like is a fraught one with fuzzy boundaries. The size of the habitable or Goldilocks zone, where a planet is far enough from the sun to hold water but not so distant that it freezes, depends, depends on how confident scientists want to be with their guesswork. Uh, hmm. It's uh, Only three of the new exoplanets can be placed within the zone, and only two are probably rocky like the Earth. Which one do we send Matt Damon to? Because I don't trust him. What? Don't trust him. You shouldn't trust him. Yeah. Is that a spoiler? Um, I think. Okay. I don't even necessarily but, know but, what it's a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, but we're not saying... Now that I say it's a spoiler, you know it's a spoiler. Yeah, no, but we're no, not but saying of what. We're, exactly. We're, we're not talking about, yeah. you know... Um. So, yeah. Planet. New planet. Oh, well, it's cool to like find stuff. a new possible uh, hu- uh, Earth-like planet. Human-like planet? That's not a thing. No. How far away? 475 light years. Oh, just that far. It's quite a way. Yeah. So, like, it's like driving to Santa Monica. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, LA people? Come on. What is this? What are we talking about? Yeah. You wouldn't want to date anyone from there. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't do it. By the way, uh, didn't you guys think it was a little strange on the SNL 40th anniversary how much time was dedicated to the Californian sketch? Which, in the history of the show, is not, I don't think, one of the more iconic sketches. I didn't see that part. I oh, skipped okay. around a lot. That was the one they, they used that as, as, like, a, a framework to hang a bunch of... Uh, reunions on like they brought out like 12 people including like Bradley Cooper and Betty White just to do the Californians everyone doing oh, okay. the same voice got it and it's a funny sketch but like you know it's not like up there with I don't know like a Wayne's World or something sure sure which was amazing as we discussed Wayne's World highlight of, of the SNL 40th thing for me Wayne's World's incredible man the movie is hilarious it's so good 
it's hilarious. Did you grow up watching yeah. any SNL? Yeah, no, got- uh, yeah, not so much. Uh, I mean, bits and pieces of, uh, of SNL. I mean, I used to, I used to come out here and um, and, and visit. My dad lived out here for years. Yeah. So I used to come out for my summer vacations, mm. and uh, uh, and obviously I know Wayne's World, but but uh, I'm not familiar with a lot of the stuff. Although I'd very much like to see the um, the anniversary show. I've heard it. It was it was really good. How long was it? Tonight long, we got the shitty Beatles. <laughs> we got the shitty Beatles and Crucial Taunt. <laughs> shitty Beatles, <laughs> but dude, Crucial Taunt is the worst band name ever. Yeah. Crucial Taunt And that was like The girl he was into Like dude She sings for Crucial Taunt That was crucial, the one, That was Cassandra's band taunt. Oh okay It was Crucial Taunt Whatever happened to What's her name What's her name Ah Cassandra the actress Uh, uh I want to say Tawny Katane No it's that's something Carrera Asia Carrera No that's a no, That's no, a porn no. person okay. That's a porn person uh, Tia uh, Carrera Tia Carrera Yeah There it is yeah, I'm gonna go rewatch Wayne's World. Yeah, it sounds Not the second one. It sounds like she kind of took a dive decent. in her uh, Carrera. Yeah. The second one was decent. I thought the second one, was, the second one holds up. Is that the one that had uh, Alice Cooper talking about Millie Walkay? No, that was the, the first, first one. one. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> great. <laughs> uh, Christopher Walken was the second one. He was like the conflicting love interest. Oh, okay. You know, but it, you had uh, Chris Farley. Got plenty of Farley going nice, on. Nice. You know, so, so Tia Carrera has. She's been doing a fair bit of voice stuff. Sure. Uh, a lot of voice work recently. And then most recently she has been in Wild Cherry, uh, Dark Honeymoon, Heartbreakers, You May Not Kiss the Bride, Collision Course, and Asteroid v. Earth. Ooh. Mm, and that's definitely not the porn oh, one. Oh, no. That's Tia. not the porn one. <laughs> Tia. Tia, Tia, Tia. Oh, I know. There's some TV stuff as well. Oh, she was in The Birthday Boys playing herself. Huh. Mm. And well, she was in The Celebrity Apprentice in 2012. Let's get her back out there. Let's yeah. give her a Carrera boost. Because I, <laughs> I, well, no, there are people that I wonder about. Like yesterday, I was uh, sitting on the toilet, like you do, uh-huh. and I just started wondering about Danny Glover. Where the fuck's he been? Yeah. Is he okay? I think he's doing okay. Jesse. My, my, <laughs> Someone checked in on Danny Glover. My dad, um, for about four years, uh, lived. Uh, in a place called Aguadolce. I don't know if you know Aguadolce. It's like north up on the 14 freeway from from, uh, from Los Angeles. And he lived on the uh, on the property of the stuntman for both Danny Glover and Mr. T. Yeah, the, so that guy was doing well enough to have property. To- I had a property, had a ranch, yeah. My, uh-huh. dad, my dad lived in a little apartment above one of the horse barns. Yeah. Now, Danny Glover and Mr. T aren't that similar in physique. I realize Not this. in physique. <laughs> <laughs> In other, way more reductive ways. Yeah. Wow. Um, were you thinking about him specifically because you're on the toilet? No, I understand the tie together there. Uh, no, that was not. That wasn't the deal. I was something happened that made me think of Predator Two when I was on the toilet. Uh-huh. <laughs> I won't say what, okay. but something something happened on the toilet, and I started thinking about Predator Two. Was it because I, you saw something that said? <laughs> I genuinely thought of Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon the other day. Genuinely, when I, I, I accidentally hit my shoulder on the door gut walking in, <laughs> I was with a friend. I was like, "That was like a shit version of Mel Gibson." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were you actually wearing a straight jacket at the time? <laughs> I remember uh, when I was when I was a kid. My mom was in nursing school, and she had one of her textbooks. This might explain a lot about me: is looking through fucked up medical textbooks when I was a toddler. Okay, um, but. I was looking through one of her textbooks one day, and I found a postcard, like, headshot-looking thing of Mel Gibson, Mm -hmm. you know, because she just had one, and I literally thought my parents' marriage is over. Like, this (laughs) is it. This is it. Like, like my mom is... (laughs) 
you, like you know when you're at that age yeah. you think everything is a huge deal like you don't get it did like, you when, recognize it as Mel Gibson I did because I had seen something did you think that she was having an affair with Mel Gibson or that I she just was thought just she stashing? was in love with Mel Gibson and that this is it you know because <laughs> no. like, you don't understand like lie you don't understand yeah, yeah. blurred barriers like like when I found my dad's playboys I thought not only I thought if I got caught I'm going to jail Right. I thought that right. I will right. go to prison if I am caught with this. I am a kid. There are naked people in this magazine. Yeah. Like I'm going to prison the rest of my life. You'll do hard time for this hard time. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I exactly. And I also thought that uh, their marriage would just be. I had no idea she like totally knew and you know, like yeah who gives yeah, a fuck. Yeah, yeah. You, you, just you hadn't read that pamphlet yet about how to talk to your mom about her affair with Mel Gibson. <laughs> right, right. But you just mom, don't... I understand that when you hit a certain age, you'll start to develop feelings for Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, and I just want you to know that it's natural yeah. and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, I remember having to give my mom the Mel talk a few times. <laughs> the Mel talk. Yeah. It becomes a bit shameful around the mid-2000s when he says some things. Yeah. <laughs> he does. But he was drunk, going through a hard time. <laughs> he does. Apocalypto, great movie. That wasn't I, that his first movie after that? Uh, after, oh, after his um, after his freak out. Yeah, I guess because like, he was funding all his own movies, so you can't really stop him because he's using his own money. So it wasn't it's also, like Hollywood. Well, when was like, the passion? But it's when also was, it was like two thousand four. It's also unrelated to what he does. Like he's not a politician. Yeah, but it's like people don't realize that uh, freedom of speech has nothing to do with um, commerce. Like people are free to stop spending their money on something that they don't like, and that doesn't mean you're Absolutely. being censored. It's just like, no, well, I don't like this thing anymore, so I'm going to stop spending my disposable income. I don't on... like the way he thinks I'm the conduit of the devil. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. But you were saying like it's not like anyone could stop him. I'm, I'm saying like uh, people who are in like director jail, it's it, they aren't being allowed to make movies. They aren't being given money to make movies. You know, but I'm saying right. he funded all of his own. I think like Passion of the Christ was all. Out right. of his own pocket, yes, was, so yeah. it's like yeah, no, or I think apocalypse. Well, might also, have been the same way. you know, unfortunately enough of America is just a Mel Gibson shitbag fan who agrees with him right, that right. they they would still. I mean, they brought back Duck Dynasty. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like they they rehired that guy. I think they 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 crunch their numbers. They send out their marketing team. Yeah, it's like it's it's no, but, nobody really cares. It's just like will it will people keep watching it? Will we, will we get more money for for backing the people who are against this thing? Or will we get more money for keeping on airing it? Like, it's- Yeah, well, most of the time when someone has one of those moments, uh, when they have a Jimmy the Greek moment and yeah. they get, like, canned, I've never heard of them until that shit happens. And then I, like, uh, what was her name? Paula, what's her name? Paula Dean. Paula Dean. Cook lady. Yeah. I never heard of Paula Dean. I hadn't either. <laughs> and I guarantee you that if her ratings were more solid, they'd keep her around. Like, yeah. I, I hate when networks act ethical. Yeah, that's I guess that's what I mean. It doesn't mean I mean, she's a shithead. She's a total shithead. Yeah, but nobody is chasing the no one's trying to be ahead of the curve ethically or morally. They're just trying to chase what they think the trend of what people like. They can guarantee what they're looking at. What what they're actually looking at is they're calculating how much um, how much damage is this going to do to her brand and how much would that cost us um, like. Is the profit to be gained from firing her, or the lack, the lack of loss to be gained from firing her, greater than or less than the amount of money she's currently bringing in for the company? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 
And that's, <laughs> like, that's it. exactly what it is. That's we have the same it. in the UK uh, with the uh, with the BBC, uh, which obviously uh, is is public funded, so it's not even uh, you know they're not taking into account the, the commercial value of certain shows. Although uh, obviously they do because they end up sort of competing with the other right. with other networks. But um, there's a, a show called Top Gear, which I'm sure you get uh, yeah, uh, yeah. here, and uh, uh, Jeremy Clarkson, uh, the guy from that, has got away with so much stuff over the last few months because uh, it's the bigger show. Yeah, because it's huge and they and it makes BBC so much money um, with him. I mean, he was uh, first of all he was caught on camera. Um, uh, saying the n-word in, in a rhyme eeny meeny money mo and then uh, yeah uh, and he sort of sort of mutters it under his breath but he, he sort of clearly says no again that, that footage came out someone had waited a while and then put that out to try and, and they were like t- oh it was that was the original that was the original way that went wasn't apparently, it apparently yes, so I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't know that until yeah, then why would you yeah and then people were going oh we always used to say it as kids no I didn't I didn't even know I, didn't I, didn't. I knew about wait, it wait I'm learning this just now Eeny, meeny, miny, the tiger was a different word by, initially. By its toe, yeah. The N word was yes. yes. Yeah. I didn't know this. This is weird because I've always called tigers that. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, I, but I've never done it in that rhyme. Huh. He, he then went to uh, to Argentina and uh, drove around with a license plate that basically alluded to the Falklands War in, in 1982, Jesus. which they're still quite upset about. It's uh, such a specific... I know. <laughs> so much effort. I know. And then said it was a pure uh, coincidence <laughs> afterwards as well. That was the... Didn't even have the balls to go, yeah, we did that. We thought it'd be funny. Um, uh, and, and then uh, there was the slope one this, on the bridge where, the, like, they um, they were looking at a bridge. It was, again, on one of those, like, oh, we go overseas. And they went, yeah, it's a nice bridge, just a bit of a slope on it. And there was an Asian woman stood on the back of it. And uh, just go, like, wow. like really? Really? Wow. That one they did apologize for, but still, like you go, yeah, it's just they're clearly crunching the numbers and go, well, sacking would cost this much, keeping them would cost this much. Okay, we're keeping him for the moment. Ladies and I- gentlemen, Rob Ford. I've had enough. That's why I warned you guys yesterday. Be careful what you wrote. Okay, so that's all I have to say for now. And the next thing I want to call uh, Mayor Britannia in Hamilton and tell them that uh, we're going to have to spank the little uh, tiger cats. Oh, and the last thing was um, Olivia Gondak. It, it says that I wanted to eat her pussy, Olivia Gondak. I've never said that in my life to her. I would never do that. I'm happily married. I've got more than enough to eat at home. Thank you very much. <laughs> when the cameras start going faster, like cameras don't capture words. Why are they taking more pictures as he's getting going off the rails? Like the uh, flicks, the, best the, press the, conference ever. Yeah. He almost didn't say it. He goes, I hope the Tigers do well this year. Thank you. Good night. Oh, one more thing. Olivia Gondak says I want to eat her pussy. <laughs> Who is that? The, the mayor of Toronto. Toronto. Mayor. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Yeah. The cocaine guy. His, his whole defense, like, he was caught on video smoking crack. So he has to do this big press conference. He goes, I apologize. I've hurt my family. I've hurt the city of Toronto. Uh, the only reason I was smoking crack, in my defense, is because I was blackout drunk at the time. <laughs> <laughs> He hung on for a while, too, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Love it. Like a folk hero. Yeah. 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 People yeah. eat that stuff up. That's... The only reason I'm bad to be in this position right now is because I'm bad in a different way. Right. Yeah. Good day. <laughs> Good day to you. P.S. I eat at my wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. More than enough to eat at home. But he had a little, a little witty thing to say about it. It was pre-planned. His... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Barry, uh, where can our listeners find out more about you and your stuff? Um... Uh, oh, I don't know. I, I guess they could go to my website. There's some some clips on there and stuff. Um, that website. Barry Castagnola. Oh, sorry. Dot com. Yeah. What is it? I stepped over it. Sorry. That's right. Uh, Barry Barry Castagnola dot com. Barry Castagnola dot com. Mm-hmm. And then we'll link to that from our website. And then of course. Twitter at Barry Castagnola. Yes, yeah. I'm on Twitter as well. Yeah. Uh, Not very active, but I'm I'm there. Still... I was going to bring up your weight. Um... <laughs> <laughs> do they do they still sell Cytedelic on? Can you still get that the DVD of that? 
I think so. Do you, do you know what? I, I think it's around. I think we, we're going to um, we're going to put them all up actually as well onto uh, onto YouTube. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I think we're going to we're going to stick them all up on. Uh, that was a uh, great series. YouTube and the, uh, the Kilimanjaro. Someone's already put the Kilimanjaro documentary uh, up onto uh, oh. YouTube as well. So, so you're going to see Barry and Rod Gilbert climbing a mountain and nearly dying. Yeah, there you go. With some laughs in between. With some nice. laughs. Nice. <laughs> nice. But Psychedelic was great. Psychedelic was the series. When was it? When was it? You made it two thousand and two. No, it went out two thousand and four. Um, and that was you, Mark Wotton, and who was uh, it? Liam Woodman playing yeah. like eco warriors. Yeah, we basically uh. we, we went to real protests um, and just sort of mockumentary, but with a there was a sort of narrative strand in each episode, sure. and we would go to real protests around Europe uh, and join in with real protesters shooting on little cameras and um, and yeah. any kind of protests are all eco. Like you stuff, made the news quite a few times. Yeah, we we got on Question Time. Yeah, we made the, we made the, we had um, uh, we had a banner at the May Day protests uh, that was for the, for the original pilot, which was like two thousand and one. There was these big protests in London, and we just had a a. a like a 15 foot banner that just said overthrow capitalism and replace it with something nicer and, uh, <laughs> and we just had like, all the press were taking pictures we were in the right wing press the left wing press everyone, everyone took a picture of it and we, you know but no, that awesome. was great fun doing that show and John Peel narrated it yeah John Peel yeah oh nice. wow damn I haven't I, I gotta go check this out yeah I'll, um, I'll, we're gonna say we're gonna, we're gonna stick them all up actually oh that'd be great uh, Barry, thank you very much for joining us. It was um, a pleasure. Enjoyed it. Thank you. As always, you can email us probablyscience at gmail.com, tweet us at probablyscience. You can find us Facebook slash probablyscience. Uh, send us stories you want us to cover, any questions, comments, clarifications. Also, subscribe on iTunes if you're not already subscribing. Um, write nice things about us on, on that or on Stitcher or however else you listen to your podcast. All that stuff. All of those it's great. Things. Um, I think that's most things. You can donate through probablyscience.com. You can also click on the Amazon link there. And we will be back next week. Thank you very much, Barry. Oh, can I plug something? Absolutely, you can. Uh, I'm going to be performing with uh, former guest uh, Dr. Tim Lee, scientist turned comedian Dr. Tim Lee, uh, this Saturday at the Poway Center for the Performing Arts down in Orange or San Diego County in oh, Poway, nice. California, a place I have not been yet, but um, tickets at PoeyCenter.com. Oh, should we also um, pub talk about festivals upcoming? Oh, uh, yes, we're going to be at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival May 7th through 10th. I'm not sure which of those days we're performing yet, but um, those tickets, I believe, will go on sale. Uh, I'm the one deciding when. I think we're going to say uh, this coming Tuesday or Wednesday. So maybe we'll talk more about it on next week's episode. This specific, but mark that in your calendar, Portland area fans, that we will be at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. Nice. But we don't know what day yet. One of those four. We days. should we should talk to the booker. We should probably talk. We if should know who that guy, guy who was more so organized. Hard to down. He really yeah. is. Yeah. If there was a guy who, if only, did those things. If only. Mm. Um, Jesse, do you have any gigs coming up? Fuck no, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm around. I'm around all the time. You know, I'm at uh, some place called the Lair tonight. You know, this is going up tonight. Right? I'm, I'm the Lair. This is Tuesday the seventeenth. Yes. It, uh, yeah. It'll go up. Yeah. Come to the Lair. Come see me at the Lair. Nine o'clock. I got a uh, bunch of new stuff. <laughs> but, but if you're if, if you're Marty McFly listening to this and you've come forward specifically to go to that gig, you're out of luck. You're out of luck. And I apologize for that, Barry. I looked it up. October 21st. So we can all put it aside till October 21st. Then we can all have a big party. So that's the actual date. But I didn't mean to be a dick about it. Okay, I know, but still. It's, uh... Barry, I can't believe you fucked our podcast like that. <laughs> this is, yeah. This, this kind of... We, let's not put this one up. Nope. Nope. I don't like. We'll I don't just like revoice it. Lost Hang on. episode. October twenty first. Can we put <laughs> no. something with that? Can, can we put it back in afterwards? Yeah. Can we put this one up at the end of October? <laughs> yes. Perfect. And then it just perfect. sounds okay. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.